All right, I want to invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles. If you have your Bibles or your app, whichever you have, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. If you got your Bible, I'm just going to tell you, go ahead and take your little silky bookmark thing and put your bookmark right there or dog ear it. You can dog ear it. That'd be fine. Uh, you can take your bulletin, put it right there because for 10 weeks, we're going to be in a series talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be here for a season. Go ahead and get your Bibles marked. The heart of this series really is to see our hearts aligned with the Lord's, to make sure that there's an alignment there. We have a vision at Woodside to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. If you are new to Woodside, I forgot to introduce myself. I am Billy. I'm the campus pastor here, and I want you to know that you are sitting amongst people who make up an incredible church. Like this, this is a beautiful, beautiful church. We do have a problem, though. Our problem is that all of us, we have hurts, don't we? We have habits, we have hang-ups. We have those hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and sometimes those hurts, habits, and hang-ups, they, they mess up the way that we see ourselves, don't they? And, and I think more importantly, not just how we see ourselves, but how we see ourselves in Christ. So the Bible will say one thing about us, but then because of that hurt in our lives, we look in the mirror and we start hearing the whispers of those hurts. Does that make sense? And so this whole series is really going to serve as an EKG of sorts on our, on our spiritual, you know, like an EKG when they put those stickers on you with the, you know what I'm talking about, right? Wires going everywhere. It tells whether your heart's messed up or not, y'all. Like, do you have some abnormal stuff going on? Is there some disease there? So there's some damage there. We spiritually want to do, I spit everywhere and I didn't mean to. We spiritually want to do that this morning. It's an EKG in our spiritual heart. We want to look to see if there's any wrong rhythms, abnormal functions, anything that needs to be repaired by the gospel. So the setting for this whole series. This is awesome. This is where Jesus has said, I want you, and I want you, and I want you. And can you picture the scene? 12 times, 12 different men. He said, I want you to come. I want you to follow me. Are you picturing this? And then he goes up onto the, and they don't even know what they're following yet. They're like, all right, you know, and they're following Jesus, but they have no idea what's getting ready to go down. Jesus goes up onto that mountainside, and he sits down. There's this crowd. In fact, look at verse 1, Matthew 5, 1. It says, seen the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, the disciples came to him. Have you ever spiritually had a mountaintop experience? Have you ever had that moment that you're like, I will remember this moment forever. I will never forget this moment like for four people today, they've had that moment with baptism. They will never forget that baptism. You probably remember some of those moments in your life that you're like, oh, I will never forget that. For the disciples, this is that moment. Like this is the moment for them. This is when they sit down and Jesus is going to tell them what it means to follow him. And it is so upside down in counterculture to anything they've ever heard. It's like you, you take culture, you think how we just normally respond to situations, and if you take that and dump it on its head, that's what Jesus is getting ready to say. They will never, ever forget this moment. Now, notice what Jesus does. Jesus sits down to teach. That's significant. That's the posture of a wisdom teacher. There's wisdom literature in Scripture, like Proverbs, right? Proverbs it's not full of promises from God. Proverbs are there and intended to show us what it means to live a wise life, right? How to live well, how to die well. Jesus, in this moment, sits down. 
That's the way teachers would do. This would be like if any time I teach, if I sit down and y'all all stand, you know, that's, it wouldn't work. But that's, that's what they would do, right? The, the teacher would sit and students would either press close and they would sit too or they would stand as he would teach. And I would argue not only does Jesus do it on the Sermon on the Mount, is he serving as a wisdom teacher, but all throughout the next three-year period during his earthly ministry, you see Jesus teaching here's how to live well and here's how to die well. Now, there's a phrase we're going to come back to again and again and again, and that's the kingdom of heaven. There's 29 times throughout Matthew's gospel that he uses this phrase, kingdom of heaven. When you hear kingdom of heaven, I want you to picture God as king. Kingdom of heaven, God as king. You oftentimes will hear me refer to him as Lord, right? Lord, king, Lord, it means you are above all. Your word, what you want, what you desire, not what I want, not what I desire. You are king over all. So that's the setting that Jesus comes and he starts Matthew 5 by saying, you want a blessed life? You want a wise life? Then you're going to live like this. This is what it's going to look like. If you want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like to follow me. So I think you're going to see over the next 10 weeks, you're going to see that Jesus is really talking about this heart issue. Now, maybe you've been around church for a while, and you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon over the Sermon on the Mount. You're like, I've got this. My challenge to you is ask yourself constantly this following question, because it's an EKG on the spiritual heart, right? Ask yourself, have, have I misread have I misread some of what Jesus has said? Have, have I misread it a little bit or misinterpreted it, misunderstood it? Is that possible? Or maybe, have I taken the heart of what Jesus said and turned it into religion? You know, you know what religion is, right? I don't mean like Christianity. I mean like, I mean when you have a checklist of things and I'm only doing these things based on what other people will think about how I'm living, does that make sense? When everything you do is to check a box and look religious, that's what I'm talking about. When you replace a relationship with the Lord, when you replace faith in the Lord with religion, my encouragement to you is constantly ask yourself these kind of questions as you're going. Or maybe for you, you're like, I haven't heard a hundred sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. That's kind of why I'm here. Like, I'm new to this church thing. I'm new to, to the, that's, I came to here. Maybe somewhere along the way, you've heard some really odd teachings. In fact, that's why you pushed away from the church for a while. You pushed away from Christians because you're like, the, the little bit I've read in the Bible, the little bit I know, that doesn't measure up with what I see in the Bible. My encouragement to you is, man, be here for each of the next nine weeks because I think what you're going to see is you're going to see what following Jesus is really all about. And it will change your life. It brings me to the big idea. Kingdom living. Kingdom living brings life and light into the world. If there's one thing you remember today, I want it to be that. Kingdom living brings life and light to the world. But again, Jesus takes everything in the Sermon on the Mount. He takes everything that you think you should say, everything that, that you feel, all the ways we would normally respond. He says, I'm going to make it so counterculture. I'm going to turn it upside down. So two results we're going to see. The way of the kingdom is going to bring blessing. The way of the kingdom is going to bring blessing. Look down at verse 2. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. It says this. It says, and he, meaning Jesus, 
He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus opens this first sermon by talking about some matters of the heart. He cares about what's going on with our hearts, not just our hands. That makes sense? Like he's after the heart, not just, our, not just our behavior, but our heart and what motivates us as well. Now, if you've been in church for very long, you know that what I just read is called the Beatitudes, right? The, Beati- the, Beatitude, the word Beatitude, it literally means blessed, which literally means happy. So Jesus says, if you want a happy life, if you want a blessed life, if you want, if you want a wise life, then this is how you're going to live. And for some of you, you're looking at that going, wait, wait. He said, just so we're clear, that you need to be poor, mourn, meek, hungry, thirsty, persecuted. That sounds awful. Like, that sounds horrible. Why would Jesus say that? That doesn't make any sense at all. And Jesus is like, yes, this is what it's going to mean to follow me. If you want to follow me, this is what your life would look like. Now, normally, when I preach this kind of a sermon, I spend one week per beatitude. Blessed are those who I would spend one week on each one. Last time I preached through this message, I was scooting, like I was moving it, and so I would do two of them per week because I was going fast. I'm going to do something I've never done before. We're going to cover all of them this morning, all of them. So hang on, be ready to take notes. I'm going to go fast, but then you're going to have a challenge that's going to have to do with these, so just stay with me. Jesus, going back, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to be crystal clear here. Jesus doesn't say hey, it'd be really cool if you lost your job and you were broke and couldn't pay your bills. That's not how that's translated, just so we're clear. He says, blessed are those who are, are poor in spirit. It's when you go, Lord, I am bankrupt spiritually in front of you. I've, I've got nothing to bring to the table. In fact, it would be you taking your pockets, turning inside out so the whites of your pockets are showing, and you opening your palms, and you say, no, literally, I can't do this without you. Spiritually, I have nothing without you. You, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven without coming to that place. Because that's the place where you realize, I need Jesus to rescue me. I need Jesus to save me. If there's pride in your life where it's puffed up and you're like, no, God, I think that I'm offering something. I think that I'm pretty good here. Then you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you've ever had a loved one pass away, then you know that in that moment, the Lord can bring such a comfort that no one can explain. He can bring a peace truly that transcends understanding. But that's not really what this is talking about. This is referring back to chapter 6, verse 10, which is, Lord, I am aching so bad for your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to come to earth. That's what I'm aching for. I live among a people of unclean lips. I am broken before you. We need you to come. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This one's probably my favorite. Because I think we so misunderstand that word meek. I think we think that the word meek 
equals weak, and it doesn't. I think we picture like the little bitty scrawny person getting all beat up on, and they get hung up on the doorknob by their undies. You know, I think that's what we picture in our head as that person, and that's, that's not it. In about a month, it's going to be springtime in Oklahoma. Not here. We got a couple months to go, right? But in March, all of a sudden, it gets really warm. In Oklahoma, and you can go out on the front porch, and you can feel the breeze. That's my favorite description of meekness. You're going to feel the breeze across your face. And it'll be kind of a warm wind, and you'll smell rain in the air. That, that's a very meek breeze. Because go outside a couple of hours later, and all of a sudden, the temperature's dropped about 20 degrees. The storm clouds are like nothing you've ever seen, and tornadoes will come through. That same wind, that same breeze that felt so gentle on your face, all of a sudden you see there was power in reserve the whole time because those tornadoes will come through, and they will wipe out towns. It will take an entire strip mall and lower it to the concrete pad. Like there is power in reserve. That's us. We are called to be meek, meaning there should be power in reserve. You don't, you don't have hearts that should be vindictive or to seek out any kind of retribution. It's when you say, that belongs to the Lord. That's not mine. It's not my job to go carry out wrath on that person. I'm just going to say, I trust the Lord, and I'm going to believe the Lord to do what he thinks is best. That's what meekness is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It's when you say, I want a right standing with God. You've heard this so many times from me, but here's God's ways. And what we always do, we're over here doing our thing. We think that we should ought to pray and get God to come over and do whatever it is that we want him to do. And it doesn't work that way. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is a holy and an awesome God. It's our job to get our lives in line with his. That's that right standing. We should be hungry and thirsty for that. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is, not a, um, this is not a transaction statement here. It's not like I'm going to be really nice to you and really merciful to you because, man, I really want her to show mercy to me. Yes, it's not, it's not transaction like that. And this is saying I, I'm merciful because, of Lord our God, he has been merciful to us. He has been so good and so merciful to us. It is us living out what it means to follow Christ. Jesus was the most merciful human to ever walk this planet, and we are supposed to walk as he does. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, I think if Jesus would have sat down on that hillside and said, okay, disciples, gather around. Let me tell you the big idea for today. I think if Jesus would have said, let me tell you the big idea for today, this is what he said. He would have said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sometimes our hearts and our actions, they're divided, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Paul understands this. If you don't understand, Paul does in the Bible. Because he says, sometimes I don't do the things that I ought to do. And, and the things I ought to do, I don't do. It's always like, man, I'm all messed up. All right? That's what Paul would say. Paul would say, I, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just a mess. My heart, my actions are not in line with each other. Jesus right here is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He says, your, your heart, your actions they should just be pure. There shouldn't be self-driving motives in your heart. It shouldn't be, I want to increase and push down and smush anyone else. That's not, it's this place of saying, no, I just have pure intentions. I have a pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The last series, we talked a lot about this in the Philemon series. 
Uh, if you missed that, go on to the SoundCloud. We got four weeks you can listen to talking about what it means to be a, a maker of peace. But I do have one more quick thought, like a tagline to that series real fast. Sometimes, maybe it's just me, maybe it's not you, but sometimes I think what we do is we'll text up an apology to someone because you're like, I'm going to make peace. And so you text real fast with both thumbs just like that, or you type because you're a real fast typer, and so you type just like this, right? And you'll get on Messenger, or you'll, you'll send an email. I don't know why we don't talk face-to-face, but we don't. We email. And so we're typing up an email, or we're getting on our text. And then what we do, isn't it true? Like, you're like, I want to make peace with this person. You hit send, or return, or go, or whatever it is you need to send. And then within 30 seconds, you look at it, and you go, oh, that's not quite how I meant that. Like, um, I probably should have read that before I sent it, but you send it anyway. But maybe they won't read it that way. Maybe they'll read it like, oh, no, I just got a response. Nope, they heard it just like I was afraid they were going to hear it. So here's what I want you to do. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you've never done that. Like, but what I want you to do, I just want you to slow down. As you type out that response, as you... As you get ready to send that email, before you hit send, will you just read through what you wrote and push away from the computer, push away from the phone, and just pray? Lord, I want to be a maker of peace with everyone around me. As far as is possible with me, I want to live at peace with everybody. Lord, I want them to understand the love that I have for them, the love that you have for them. So before I hit send, show me anything that might be a stumbling block to that. Will you do that? Before you open your mouth, before you start typing, just pray. Just slow down, stop, and pray. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is tough, but when you live the kingdom of heaven, there's going to be persecution. Now, it's going to look different depending on where you are and when you are. Persecution in China looks different than Michigan, looks different than France, looks different in the first century than it does now. No one's going to feed us to lions, right? We're okay. We're different. But there's still going to be persecution there. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So again, Matthew points to this persecution Um, But just like the theme that you see all throughout Matthew, he says, but this isn't your home, right? We heard that in the testimony this morning. This is not the home. Our home is waiting for us in in heaven, right? And the reward there is great. And I've never gone through the Beatitudes that fast in my life, ever. Uh, And there will be a challenge, right? So I've got got some takeaways that you're going to get involved later this week. But throughout the Beatitudes, Jesus is giving this vision of what it means to live out the kingdom of heaven, He's giving out this vision of what it means to live as him. He lived this perfectly with no mistakes. This is exactly how Jesus modeled it and exactly how Jesus lived. And maybe you're looking going, okay, I still am missing it. Those who mourn, those who are poor, those seem like very negative statements. How, how does it get turned around into that's how to be blessed? Well, I'm going to answer with a little story. And it's a story you've heard before two or three or maybe four times now. It's a confession, so I'm going to readmit my confession to you. You ready? I like sugar. <laughs> like, I, no, I like, I like it. Like, I really like sugar. I like ice cream, and I like cookies, and I like banana, uh, banana pudding. I like banana pudding. I like coconut cream pie. I like that a lot. I like tiramisu. Tiramisu is pretty yummy. Like, I like, it's not just my sweet tooth, though. That's not the problem. Like, I, I like other things. I like bread. Like, especially the bread from Macaroni Grill with the rosemary in it. You know what I'm talking about? And you dip it in the olive oil. That's good stuff. I like pizza. 
I like fettuccine Alfredo. Like, I like all this stuff. And so I came to you months ago, and like I told you, like, this is something I'm battling through. Like, I, I really, I've got to say no. I have got to learn to say no to these things. I can't keep going on the path that I'm going. And so I did, and I've lost some weight. I've lost about half of what I want to lose. So I still have some work to do, but I can see the finish line now, right? It's like I can, I can get there. I'm making progress. And it seems like a horrible thing to say no to banana pudding, doesn't it? Like, that's not, why would anyone ever do that? Well, here's the thing. I can tie my shoes without feeling like I've ran a marathon now. You know, I, I can bend down and tie my, it's a great thing. It's so good. And here's why. If you're wondering, like, Billy, why, why would you say no to ice cream or tiramisu? Like, pizza is good. Why would you do that? Well, here's why. Because I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like what I saw. And I'm like, I, I've got some work to do. I look at my wife, and I love my wife. I adore my wife. I want to be here for a long time to grow old with my wife. I look at my boys, and I love my boys. I want to be the dad that I'm supposed to be to my boys. I look at you. I want to be the shepherd and the pastor that I'm supposed to be to you. And I believe I can best do that with a healthier heart, right? And so I started working. I still, Again, I still have work to do. I, I know. I have a lot of work to do. I'm not there, but I'm going to tell you it makes a difference because I'm standing here preaching to you with no headaches this morning, right? Just no headache at all. And so I can tell you it's worth it. It is worth the battle of saying no to those things to start on that road to health. It's the same way with the way of Jesus. Banana pudding, right? It's the same way with the ways of Jesus. It's not easy. It's not easy to be merciful when someone's mean to you. If someone's bad, if they've tried to mess with your reputation, if they've messed with someone that you care about and you love, it is not easy to respond with mercy. But I'm going to tell you the result when you do respond with mercy is so freeing. To live as Christ is so incredibly freeing. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the freedom in Christ is so worth it because it's how God meant for us to live all along. So I've hinted a couple times at a challenge. Here's what I want you to do. I can't spend a week going through each one, but you get your quiet time every single day. What I want you to do is go through each beatitude. Blessed are those who. And I want you to spend some time this week with each one and just say, how am I doing with this one? How's, how's my heart doing? Blessed are those who, who are poor in spirit. How am I doing poor in spirit? Do I understand how bankrupt I am before God spiritually? Do I understand that I'm at a place where I can't earn my way to heaven? He's not looking at a, here's the good list and here's the bad list. and it, I can't do anything to earn my way to heaven. Am I in perfect understanding of that? Of how broke I am spiritually before God? That's why I need Jesus. See, even for the Christian, if you're not careful, pride can start to puff up right? It's good to come back and remind yourself of the lordship, the kingship of Jesus in your life. But maybe you've never done that because you never even understood it, right? You've never read that and understood it. I want you to know you don't need to wait till tomorrow. Today, you honestly, you can stop and you can say, I want to give my heart to God through the work of Jesus on the cross. Today, I want to do that. You can start with this first beatitude, poor in spirit, and let it change everything for you. So do that, beatitude by beatitude. Just work your way through this week. The second last point is the way the kingdom will impact the world. Look at verse 13, Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. 
Jesus says this. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but a salt has lost its taste. How can the saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it will give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So he shares the Beatitudes, and then he goes into this thing of salty and shiny, right? And it's easy to read that and say, whoa, Jesus, you just made a a big, fast jump, and he really didn't. Like Jesus, like everything else, is so intentional with everything he does. And so he says, if you live out this, this kingdom of heaven, the Beatitudes, if you live like this, this will be the result. The result is you will be salty. That's the first thing he talked about, the metaphor of salt. You're the salt of the earth. Just like today, there's two real sources of salt. It's a preservative, and it adds flavor. Isn't that pretty cool? So that's Jesus. That's Jesus saying, that's Jesus saying, you, when you live out the kingdom of heaven, when you live out the calling that you see in Beatitudes, when you live as me, you are the preservative for everyone that you work with. You are the preservative for your friends and your family. You are the one who adds flavor. Let me just tell you, our world is so bland. It just is. And, and they try to overcompensate for it. Like, we're going to have brighter costumes. We're going to have crazier music. We're going to do this in our movies. We're, we're just always pushing the extremes. Why? Because we're looking for something different. And this is saying, when you and I, when we demonstrate the gospel, it gives us a platform to declare the gospel. Do you hear that? When we live it out, that's what gives us the right to be able to speak about it. But what if I'm not living it out? Right? What if I don't? What if I take all that stuff in the Beatitudes and I say, no thanks. You know, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, and I'm a Christian and I go to church on Sunday and here I am. I'm going to put a smiley face and I'm going to shake hands and I'm going to, I'm going to look very Christian on Sunday morning. But then on Monday, you better watch out if you cross me. You know, you better, I'm going to get you. You know, I'm going I'm to go off and I'm not going to forgive you and I'm not going to forgive her and I'm not going to forgive him and I'm going to go and I'm going to be the most prideful person you've ever seen. Help in hand, I'm looking for is at the end of my arm and you better watch out because it'll smack you if you're not careful. You know, I mean, with that sometimes is the way we do. What do you call that? You call that being a hypocrite. Another word would be a liar. And we don't like that word very much. I don't, I don't want people looking at me saying I'm a liar. Or a hypocrite. But when you say you follow Jesus and your life looks nothing like Jesus, my friends, you're being a hypocrite. And people will look at our church and they will say, we are hypocrites. And our calling is so much more than that. And that's really what's going to happen, one or the other. Either we become liars, we become hypocrites, or we get a platform to share the gospel. Now, I know I was just talking about clean eating, but go with me here. Pretend it's summertime and you're eating the salt and vinegar chips. You know the ones? Like they're really hard and you crunch them. But you can't eat the whole bag or you're like your whole mouth will be all torn up. I got so excited I'm whacking my microphone. Like you can't eat the whole bag. It will mesh the inside of your mouth. It's like trying to eat Funyuns. You can't eat all the Funyuns. It will tear your mouth up. So you can't, 
You can't do it, but just imagine you're just like crushing the salt and vinegar chips. You with me? Half of a bag, like you're just going for it. Or maybe Lay's if you hate the vinegar, whatever. Like you're just eating the chips, you're with me, and then you eat half a bag. What's the first thing you're thinking about besides I need to start a cleanse? Like besides that, you're probably thinking, man, I'm parched. I need a drink. I am so thirsty. And this is kind of cool. That's what happens when people are around the gospel and they're around you living out the gospel. They're going to see something different in you and it makes them thirsty. And Jesus says in John 7, 37 through 39, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink because whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that awesome? Next is the light part. What does light do? Light pushes away darkness, right? I'm not going to do this, but imagine I blacked out this room. Some of y'all would freak out, so I'm not going to do it. But imagine I completely bla like black, like you can't see the hand in front of your face, and I put a candle right here. I could step over here and talk all I want. You're not going to look at me at all. You're going to look straight at that light. You can't help it. You're going to look straight at that candle the whole time. That's what we do. The Bible says when we become followers of Jesus that Christ is in us. That's the hope of glory. We are windows for Jesus everywhere we go. When we go and we live out the gospel in our lives, it is like a, a window where, we go, where people see us and they see through us. And when they see through us, they see Jesus through us. That's the life we're supposed to live. Now, I've heard people talk to me and say, you know, Pastor, I'm really upset about the laws passed in this state and about what this company is doing with their employees and about this thing going on in the relationship and this going on in politics. And I'm just, I'm mad about it. I'm angry. What do you think? And I, I'm just going to be real honest. Like I look and I'm like, no, those things do break my heart. But I am so fired up and here's why. I am so excited because when you live in a place with so much darkness, it is easy for our light to be glaringly bright to those around us. And they can't help but take notice, church. They know. They know there's something authentic. There's something real. There's something transformative about you. And it is so upside down from anything else I've ever seen. There's a peace that I don't understand in you. There's a purpose that I don't understand in you. And they are drawn not to us, right? They're drawn to God. It says that they will see the works that we're doing and what? And they will be pointed to God. He will be the one who's glorified. So how, how are you doing with all this stuff? Maybe, maybe you've been going through life and you're like, I am a Christian and um, I'm not quite as salty as I used to be. You know, I, there was a time where I used to talk about Jesus all the time and I used to live out my faith and be quick to forgive. And it was just, it was so fresh to me. I'm, I haven't been like that. Like pride has started to sneak in a little bit and um, bitterness and anger, just a little bit. It's not like I'm a stomping around being grumpy all the time, but it definitely has snuck in a little bit. Not as salty as I used to be. Maybe your light isn't shining as bright. You kind of got it covered up and hidden just a little bit. And you're like, I, I know that it's time to do some work. My encouragement to you is this week, today, start that process of saying, Lord, it's time. It's time to get back to this first love. It's time to get back to this place where I am shining brightly like a star in the universe. That's where I want to be. 
And maybe there's those of you who are not followers of Jesus. Today is a perfect day to stop and say, I believe. Lord, we do thank you for today. I thank you for this church where we can gather as brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage one another. We can be reminded of the truth in, in your word. That God, as we read the Bible, we can become transformed together. That we can be reminded and caught up in truth together. Lord, I pray for the man or the woman who's struggling because they've given their life to you, but life got hard along the way. And so they haven't been living out the truths that we read in, in the Beatitudes. Lord, remind us what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be makers of peace, to have pure hearts. This week, do a work on us to make us a better reflection of you. And Lord, for the person who's here and they've never surrendered their life to you, I pray for freedom in this moment to be able to say, God, I believe. I believe that you love me. And that's why Jesus came. I know I've missed the mark, but Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. And I believe that he was crucified. I believe that he suffered and I paid the penalty for my sins and he was placed in a tomb. I believe that he stayed there until the third day when he conquered sin, when he conquered death and rose from the grave. And Lord, I just pray for freedom where they can say I'm placing my faith and my hope and my trust in that truth. Lord, I thank you for those who are becoming new creations even now. Continue to help us be a church with our eyes focused on Jesus, not content to be the same as we were yesterday, but continually striving to be a better reflection of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, I want to encourage you to stand as we sing together.